The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hold it. One, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to a new year of Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm thrilled to... I'm Noah, by the way. Um, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He'll get there. I, yeah, yeah. New year, and I still haven't uh, I still haven't woken up yet. New and year, I'm, say Noah. Yep, and I'm thrilled to be back with my uh, benevolent co-host, uh, Brandon Riddle. Brandon, uh, how are you doing in 2022? I am good. Got a nice little negative COVID test, so I'm happy today. Hey, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy. It's 2022. We're some hill, somehow still on the air. Uh, so so I can't really complain. No. Um, to kick things off, do you have any, any good short hops resolutions? So I saw you put it on that line, and I had to think about it for a good long time. And then I figured out uh, one thing I want to do was abolish the DH. Um, I feel that's top of my resolution list. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, so wield our our considerable baseball influence. Yeah, we, to, we can uh, do that. Okay. Uh, we, we can change baseball lexicon again. Remember getting the muffinism play back involved and we're taking right. the DH. It works out. Right. And for baseball, I actually want to learn more about the history of the AL Central teams because they're just they exist in my mind, but I don't yeah. know too terribly much about them. So I, I got to change is- that. That is how I would describe them, and it, to me as well. Yep, AL Central, they're there. There they are. Uh, Look at Cleveland, them <laughs> Cleveland, uh, Kansas City, they're uh-huh, uh-huh. they're playing baseball. This is Chicago team in there, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so you had some good resolutions. Mine, in retrospect, seemed silly. Uh, I <laughs> I said uh, specifically for the podcast, uh, try to get more stupid voices involved. Um, so I feel like we, we need to bring back that Macho Man, Randy Savage episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we could totally bring back, uh, bring back uh, the, the cream of the crop. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, already kicking off the year uh, with a, a fud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we could get more into the in, into the role play here. Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm excited. Whole whole fresh fresh year. We're we're about to come up on a full year of short hops and tall oh, tales. Right. Isn't that weird? It is. I feel like this is just just my life. Like I just, like this is just something I do. Like I, I can't imagine the time before. There, there was no time before me. No, this was it. This is always exactly. Been your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we got for this episode? What's going on here? 
All right, so in this episode, I am really, really excited because we're talking about uh, one of the... It's going to be a, another very good quote episode because we're going to be talking about Bill the Spaceman Lee, uh, which I we're going to get into him in just a second I love, here. I love the Spaceman. It's going to be a good episode. I didn't know a whole lot about him until I did the research for this one, and he is an entire character. Oh, he, he earns that nickname hard. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I see you're going to talk about the female baseball championship of 1879. Now, I've seen a league of their own. I, I have not seen anything about the 1879 female baseball championship. Yeah, this this kind of popped up on me looking through old newspapers. And I thought, I need to know more about this. So it's a rabbit hole and a really good time. But rabbit holes are, are what we do here on Short Hops Tall mm-hmm. Tales. Uh, well, all right. So let's kick things off uh, with some pickoff trivia. The first of the year uh, submitted uh, by our listener, uh, Mike Perugini. Uh And so, Brandon, I'm going to pose you this. Uh, yeah. Which pitchers since the 1970s have both or have thrown a no hitter against a team they have played for or would end up playing for? Uh, now, there's quite a few. Uh, so you can just give a. See, so, see how many you can get, mm-hmm. possibly. So I'll admit, I did cheat a little bit in that I went back ah. and looked. No, 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 I didn't look at you know who they played. I just looked at the list of no-hitters through 1970 just to kind of jog my memory because there's sure. been a lot of them. Um, so I came up with a couple. Okay. Uh, number one, he played for a lot of teams and has a wreck for most no-hitters. <laughs> I thought for sure Nolan Ryan must have done that. Is that right? Uh, I don't have Nolan Ryan on here. Really? Oh, you let me down. That that That, I feel like... You're right, though. I feel like it's wrong that he wouldn't be on here. So I almost am, am wondering if I if I missed him. Uh, hmm. We'll have to maybe we'll circle back yeah, to that. We'll, we'll the, it may be right. Maybe just one of those oddity things. He yeah. pitched so long and had what let's, seven, let's see. nine I mean, no hitters. He he played for the Astros, the Mets, the Angels, the Rangers. Uh, am I missing a team there? No, Mets, Angels, Astros, Rangers. I think that's about it. Hmm. So he and he threw seven no hitters. Seven, yeah. So it's got to be against one of them, you think, right? <laughs> you would think. You would think. Uh, so, but uh, but apparently not. I'll I'll take your word for that one. Um, and then going through the list, of course, I know this one. Edwin Jackson pitched for a million teams and pitched a no hitter as well. <laughs> so he's got to be on the list. Well, and who did he pitch a no hitter for? Diamondbacks. <laughs> there you go. I, I thought that was going to be the when you said he 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 played for everybody. I thought that was going to be the first name out of your mouth. Oh but my goodness! Yes. He, I think he had like 158 pitches that game. He just kept going. Yeah, it was yeah. honestly something incredible like that. Yeah, uh, Edwin J- Jackson against the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other names? Uh, so I thought um, Kevin Brown. I'm right. He got a no hitter. He pitched for a couple teams. Ah, uh, yes, the most unremarkable name in baseball. Uh, no, I don't have him no. on this list. <laughs> All right, um, picture, I'll, I'll just do a couple others. Um, Raleigh Fingers, you know he, Raleigh Fingers. he was a part of a no hitter and pitched for a couple teams too. Uh, swing and a miss. Although I, I will say this, I don't have combined no hitters on this list. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's still. Right. Yeah. I, and then I'll, I'll I'll finish it off with one I know for sure: uh, Mad Max. Mad Max, you're right. Mad Max in 2015 against the Mets. Uh, one actually just happened very recently, and I find this almost comical based on how long he spent with the team. But uh, Corey Kluber in 2021 pitched a no hitter for the Yankees oh. against the Texas oh, Rangers, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure he only ever pitched an inning for the Rangers, right? And then he got hurt. Uh, yeah, couple in 2019, I want to say. I see any list as well. Cole Hamels did it twice. 
Uh, yeah, back, Achilles, back to back seasons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's some yeah. good names on this list. Ben Valenzuela, Terry Mulholland, Dave Stewart, Burt Blyman. Yeah. Like, this is a good list. Yeah, I I don't know who Dick Bosman is, but he he did it. So he's the boss, you know. Yeah, that's the cool thing about baseball is you know anyone can can be the best player on in the world on a given day. Mm, and those are good uh, days. It just happens that it's usually somebody by the name of Juan Soto. Um, <laughs> All right, so into our now I feel like I gotta put like some cool space effects in here. Uh, into our first segment here, space lasers. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Bill Spaceman Lee now to kick things off. Uh, how do you suppose he got his nickname? So I, I already know where I get his nickname because I love this guy. Um, however, <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say so. I see he was born in the mid forties, so I'm going to guess he was in uh, growing up. He uh, ventured into the Air Force and applied to become an astronaut, but failed and became a baseball player instead. So they called him Spaceman. That's my that's no for a fact it's wrong, but could be a good guess. <laughs> that's logical though. Um, and yeah, he didn't serve in the Air Force, but he uh, he did serve in the Army Reserve during the Vietnam oh, War. Hey. Uh, so you know it's relatively in sure. the ballpark Plausible. as as people say. Um, but no, Bill uh, got his nickname because he was uh, pretty out there, uh, not necessarily spacey, but uh, an eccentric and uh, <laughs> a space oddity in the very traditionalist nice, MLB. Nice. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Bill Lee. So he was born uh, December 28th, 1946 in Burbank, California, uh, and he had baseball in his blood. Uh, he came from a big baseball family. His grandpa, William Lee, played for the Hollywood Stars of the Pacific Coast League, and his aunt, Annabelle Lee, actually pitched in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Hey. Uh, Bill credited her with uh, teaching him how to pitch, uh, saying that his aunt, Annabelle, was the best athlete in the family. And when researching her, I actually found that she uh, she pitched a perfect game in 1944 for the Fort Wayne Daisies. So he had had some pretty good uh, baseball genes. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that's a perfect game in the women's league. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's it's it, it kind of ties in with what we're going to uh, yeah. talk about a little later, which is pretty sweet, and also just a great team name, the the Fort Wayne Daisies. I'll give him that. Absolutely. Uh, Bill Lee went to USC in 1964 and helped the Trojans uh, capture the 1968 Chicago World Series. Uh, and then uh, he was drafted by the Red Sox in the 22nd round of the 68 draft. Uh, like I said earlier, he served in the U.S. Army Reserve uh, in the very early years of his career uh, for six years during the Vietnam War uh, and debuted with Boston in 1969 at age 22. That's something that doesn't really happen these days is you get drafted in the next year you're you're already in the majors. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. I forgot who it was. Someone in the last decade was drafted. And then a couple months later, was brought up. Do you remember who that was? Uh, I we're, we're failing here. Not off the top of my yes, head. Yes, but it's, it's incredibly <laughs> rare that it happens. You're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bill Lee, uh, he didn't have an overpowering fastball on the mound. So he was uh, one. Of, this is another reason why he's one of the you know kind of the archetype of pitchers that I really adore uh, because he he really had to rely on trickery and deception with you know his arsenal breaking pitches, uh, which I found included the Leafus which was Bill's uh, personalized version on of the Ephus pitch, which for those of you who haven't heard of that before, it's essentially think of lobbing a ball in, in kind of like uh, Vin Scully used to describe it as a soap bubble pitch. You're lobbing it very slowly and you're trying to catch the batter off guard. Yeah, uh, juxtapose that against 90 mile per hour fastballs. It's going to catch them off guard. Or even 85 mile an hour, you know, yeah, like, sure. like 
it's but it's also one of those pitches where oh you better hope they're not waiting on it <laughs> you know uh it's kind of like a cousin to the knuckleball in that yeah, go, sense go, go you know watch zach Granke pitch and you'll see at least one of them yeah yeah i remember the big guy who who i introduced me to the pitch uh watching was vincente padilla oh uh, that's the that's dodgers dodgers that's right that's yeah. amazing um so it, it's really funny because his teammate dennis eckersley actually once described uh dennis talking about himself he said you know he threw steak where uh, uh bill lee threw salad which i think is a pretty funny way of putting it um because <laughs> eckersley had that that good fastball so uh to start his career bill lee was primarily uh, in a relief role and actually only started nine games in his first four seasons <laughs> uh that they were fine they were relatively unremarkable uh although he did actually hit a home run as a relief pitcher on september 11th 1972 uh so i thought that was pretty sweet because how often do you see a reliever hit a home run right uh but bill lee was made a starter in 1973 and won 17 games with a 275 era uh, which was third best in the american league and he won all that on his way to his first and only all-star selection uh, so really, it was it was his breakout season. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, uh, the spaceman became close friends and partners with his backstop, the legendary Carlton Fisk, as well as uh, they became uh, player representatives on the Red Sox together. And it really was a fitting role for Lee, uh, who uh, was notorious for being incredibly loyal to his teammates. Uh, I, I don't think it, you could fault somebody for being lo- loyal to your teammates, but no. it's not always the most strategic thing when you know some cuts or trades have to be made uh, and that led to some some issues a little later on down the road but, but uh, I, I i do love how the pitcher became basically best friends with his catcher and of all the catchers to be friends with colton fisk so that was a that was a good move by lee also a very yeah very good uh business decision oh yeah um he uh so now he's a starter he won 17 games the next two years and he formed a very strong one two point one two punch with uh louis tiant uh, Is that, uh, 17 Sox. games in total or 17 games back-to-back seasons he won it three years in a row from wow. uh All right. yeah from 73 to 75 uh he played a very key role in the 1975 pennant team uh but when they got to the world series he was saddled with two really tough losses uh, where he pitched well overall uh but the Sox ended up going home empty-handed losing to the great oh, no. or the the big red machine uh, most notably he had shut out the reds through five innings in game seven and then uh, gave up a a crushing two-run home run to tony perez on a very poorly thrown ephus pitch so not only did he give up the big the big homer but he did it on a pitch that was like a you know a, a a cantaloupe right <laughs> you know i know this happened 50 years ago but that hurts just reading about it because it's the ethos thrown in a game seven of the world series which first of all the goal to do that in the first place to believe it's going to work and then not have it work and backfire yeah that's that's a bad well, feeling and can you imagine the the feeling that a pitcher gets when he hangs just like a slider right and then magnify that uh, by by 10 times when you're throwing a pitch that's intentionally like stage a, of your life hey. right Yeah, uh, but the Spaceman, uh, moving on into 1976, he actually gets hurt uh, in a particularly nasty brawl with the Yankees following a play at the plate. Uh, Lou Piniella came charging home and uh, crashed into into Carlton Fisk, and so the bench is clear. And this is all on... Yeah, yeah, this is all on YouTube, by the way. I I watched it uh, 
you know, in preparation for this. And uh, it's pretty gnarly because you, you can see, you can see everything happen. So you, you see uh, the spaceman, he gets out there and he actually gets knocked over uh, when, when everyone charges the mound and the commentator uh, remarks that, Oh, you know, Bill looks hurt, uh, but he gets up and, you know, he's, he's kind of holding his arm a little bit. And he's still jawing at the team. And then the Yankee uh, third baseman at the time, Greg Nettles, sucker punches him. Like, <laughs> and it, and, and, and I'll be clear, it was a very clear sucker punch. Uh, and he knocks him to the bottom of the dog pile again. And when, uh, when Bill Lee gets up, he's really hurt now. Like his shoulder is like hanging from, you know, very limp. And it, it just looks bad. Uh, and, and so that actually, that injury, uh, kept him out for a while in 1976 and when he came back he just wasn't the same wasn't the same spaceman uh and that that when your shoulders hang and limp and then they get sucker punched again like you're gonna have a bad time yeah it's like he was he was hurt before then because he got knocked on the ground but then then he got knocked right back onto the shoulder and Aye. that's no good uh and he remained pretty bitter at, at greg nettles uh <laughs> and it's 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 kind of it's kind of comical, uh, you know, Bill Lee's take on this. So that he's got a quote, and he says, "You know, I'm the last horse because I've got uh, Nettles's baseball card right here in my wallet. He's up against the, <laughs> the right cheek of my ass for eternity, and the smell and the view will never improve for him." <laughs> like how? Like I, I I consider myself a petty person sometimes, and so this really spoke to me, where he carries this guy's baseball card around just to sit on him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's gone up my respect, my respect ladder right that's there. That's such a, and that's just such a pitcher thing to do too. Just knowing what we know about about the you know psychological profile of of pitchers. Uh, and so years later, he meets Nettles at a baseball event, and Nettles allegedly didn't even bother to get up out of his chair. And so the spaceman says he goes, he's like, well, he hasn't aged well at all. He looks like a duvet cover. <laughs> uh, and then this is this is great. He says uh, when they asked, so Greg Nettles ended up publishing a, a memoir about his time uh, in Major League Baseball. And and what was it called? And it was called Balls. Thank you. And so when they asked uh, when they asked Bill Lee about you know what do you think about this book, Lee said that Nettles had missed it by an inch or so. Referring to the title, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you kind of read between the lines there and, and figure out what he meant. But I just thought that was great. Uh, so as you can see, uh, the spaceman was a very, very colorful personality, and in a locker room full of uh, Red Sox that really were were not super. Uh, they weren't exactly media darlings, is I guess what I'll say. Uh, the, the reporters really flocked to him because he just always had an original quote, uh, was always <laughs> willing to share his unique perspective. And so we ended up getting a lot of really, really great quotes uh, from from Spaceman. So I'm just going to read them off here, uh, a, a handful of them, and just tell me tell me how they hit so your ear. So looking forward to this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, once again, played for the Red Sox. So uh, on the green monster, he said, uh, do they leave it there during the game? <laughs> early in his career <laughs> uh when asked about uh sticky substances he said hell if ky jelly went off the market the whole california angels pitching staff would be out of baseball <laughs> i love that so much and i think that's great too because it's just a, also an issue that we still have in today's game that, yeah. right um <laughs> and if nothing else he knew how to paint a picture right uh talking about uh hammer and henry aaron he said I'm mad at Hank for deciding to play one more season. 
I threw him his last home run and I thought I'd be remembered forever. Now I'll have to throw him another. (laughs) Uh, He got a little existential at points and he said, I think about the cosmic snowball theory. A few million years ago, or a few, excuse me, a few million years from now, the sun will burn out and lose its gravitational pull. The earth will turn into a giant snowball and be hurled through space. When that happens, it won't matter if I get this guy out. (laughs) Fun. I will say there was a lot wrong in that statement, but still a fun statement. <laughs> your 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 uh, astronomer red flags are, oh, yeah, are going I'm, up. I'm, my eyes are twitching right now, so it got hurt. But fun quote. I love that point of view, though. He's like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're None all we're all yeah. we're all stardust. Uh, so it doesn't matter if they go four hundred feet. Uh, because we've been trying to fix baseball for about as long as it has existed, uh, Bill has his own take on that, and he says, "I would change policy." bring back natural grass and nickel beer. Mm. Baseball is the belly button of our society. Straighten out baseball and you straighten out the rest of the world. What does that mean? I, the belly button of our society. I don't know if that's, I, it sounds like that's a compliment saying like, you know, it's kind of the center point or it's holding the society together. I don't know. It, I, I don't know. Only, only <laughs> Bill knows All right, what we got next. Yeah, uh, Nickel Beer, though. Solid ideas there. Uh, absolutely. Bring that back, please. Uh, on managers, he said, uh, most of these managers are lifetime 220 hitters. For years, pitchers have been getting these managers out 75% of the time, and that's why they don't like us. <laughs> I, I do love that, because so many times managers <laughs> were just on the fringe of the majors, and I, I, I love that idea. Like, it's it's his perspective is so, so funny to me. Uh, on winning, he said, you know, people get too hung up on winning i can get off on a really good helmet throw um or a good bat toss if you will noah i yeah i mean uh, all we need is a good bat flip uh and then on uh on good ball players he said the the most self or the more self-centered and egotistical a guy is the better ball player he's gonna be and you know he's not necessarily wrong yeah <laughs> you know that's take that you, you need to be fairly fairly egotistical you know to make it to the majors Gotta because be confidence you, you, well, that and you got to have the drive, right? You got to yeah, have that. No, there's definitely a lot of that into play. Yeah, he was, was on to something there. Um, and of course, as a member of the Red Sox, he had some very strong feelings towards the Yankees. And he said, you take a team with 25 assholes and I'll show you a pennant. I'll show you the New York Yankees, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because he's he's complimenting them. <laughs> like, it's a great backhanded compliment. You're right. <laughs> but just a whole bunch of self-centered egotistical guys there, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe you were clued in on based on his e- earlier uh, idea about the sun and, and the snowball theory. Uh, but he was a big, big, th- a big science thinker, uh, right? And he said on neuroscience, he said, you know, you have two hemispheres in your brain. You've got a, a left side and a right side. The left side controls the right side of your body, and the right controls the left half. It's a fact. Therefore, the left-handers are the only people in their right minds. I cannot believe I've never heard that before. That is one of my now favorite quotes. I don't know if that's exactly true, but Shh, it no, is. No, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about okay. that. It's just a right. great quote. It is a great quote. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he was the spaceman, so he had uh, quite a few opinions on uh, drug use and drug testing. And he said, uh, the other day they asked me about mandatory drug testing. I said I believed in drug testing a long time ago. All through the 60s, I tested everything. <laughs> Good old Bill. (laughs) 
and then kind of kind of to that point uh he also once claimed he sprinkled marijuana on his pancakes in the morning and then when he ran his five miles to fenway it made him impervious to bus fumes well that makes sense I mean, he was a scientist. He was a, yeah, a thinking man. A man ahead of his time. He he really he's... reminds me of that that picture in uh, oh, it's killing me. We just did a, a whole episode about about movies. Um, rookie, <laughs> rookie of the year, like the uh, how what was the actor? The, the kid. Yeah, rookie of the year. Uh, there there's okay, a. I'm, I'm curious how you can link marijuana and children. So I'm I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> well, I was just saying because there's I can't man is it. I think it's Gary Busey, actually, but he, you know, his character where he's like the zany, like really out there uh, pitcher. And so that's what, you know, kind of who I was envisioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, I see. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, he was the character, right? Uh, kind of. And these were like I was reading these and they're giving me like Boots Poffenberger energy uh, a little bit. Um, if we're going to throw it back to an earlier episode, but yeah. back on track in 1978 uh he finished 10 and 10 but had a solid 346 earn run average and around this time he became critical of boston's management and actually formed a group within the clubhouse called the buffalo heads uh now this group was fairly talented too it included uh fergie jenkins and uh and dick and dick (laughs) pole that was his name we're moving on uh, and basically, the Buffalo Heads, their goal was essentially to torment their manager, Don Zimmer, who Lee famously called the gerbil. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he once said, Zimmer wouldn't know a good pitcher if he came up and bit him in the ass. That's such like a high school thing to do, to get a bunch of your friends together. And the only purpose is to insult and annoy. Just make his life hell. Your teacher, your boss. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy's just doing his job. And it's it's so... I don't know. It's just so funny to me. I think I feel like calling him a gerbil is just so much worse than any profanity <laughs> because it's just so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, can you imagine? I mean, we we see it, t- you know, every now and then. But a guy coming out and saying this about their manager today, like, yeah, you wouldn't know a good pitcher if you bit him in the ass. Like, that's that'd be a redi- that'd be a crazy quote in in twenty twenty two. I'm sure uh, but, it was a crazy quote in 78. There's just less media. Yeah. <laughs> I, although, although you know, when you put it against, you know, his many great quotes, I guess it's not that crazy. Yeah, just, oh, just Bill being Bill. Yeah, but uh, eventually the Red Sox uh, traded away all of the Buffalo heads. Uh, but they actually only received one player back that actually wore a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> uh, his name was, in, he was infielder. His, uh, that that's words. He was an infielder. His name was Stan Poppy. Uh, he was not the best Poppy in Red Sox history. <laughs> uh, Lee was then dealt to Montreal where he became the team's ace in 1979 had a little renaissance he won 16 nice. games uh, and he played another three seasons uh, before being eventually moved back to the bullpen as he declined uh, he hurt his hip in 1980 when he allegedly fell out of a building onto an iron fence because I guess he was he said he was scaling the side of the building to tap okay. on a friend's window I don't know I I don't I mean, know. I mean, we've, we've all been there, I guess. Yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> all on the iron fence. Little Romeo and Juliet sure. moment, I guess. Uh, and then he ended up retiring after the 1982 season at age 35, saying he was blackballed from the league. Uh, and he actually became an ambassador for the sport in places like the Soviet Union, uh, Cuba, and China. Hmm. Uh, 
In 2008, he was inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame. And in 2012, he actually became the oldest pitcher to win a professional baseball game when he signed a one-day contract with the San Rafael Pacifics of the North American League. He pitched a complete game at age 65. I remember that. That was cool. That is really cool. I I always root for these old ball players. I'm I'm sure Bill wasn't trying to make a comeback. He was just playing for fun. But some of the older players are saying, I'm going to try to make a comeback and go to the minors and kind of work their way up. Yeah, um, I know Paul Mer- Raphael Palmeiro tried doing that ten years I'm pretty, ago. So I'm pretty uh, sure really Raphael, <laughs> pretty sure Raphael per- Palmeiro was doing that for like tax purposes, though, right? Like he was. I don't think he was really trying to come Just back. Go ahead he? and take all the magic out of baseball, Noah. Go ahead. I, I that's my job. That's what we do here. <laughs> Um, in 2016, a biographical film was released about Spaceman's life, uh, starring Joshua Duhamel. Duhamel. I don't know how to say it. Good um, the guy from Transformers, the the military guy. You would okay. you would know his face. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how that casting got approved. Uh, but I mean, good good for Bill. Uh, that's that's a pretty attractive actor. Uh, oh, and he ran for president. <laughs> As a member of the... <laughs> As a member of the Rhinoceros Party, yes. the Spaceman ran for president in 1987, and his platform was to bulldoze the Rocky Mountains so that Alberta could receive a few extra minutes of sunlight. He also wanted to ban guns and butter, and his campaign slogan was, No guns, no butter, both can kill. Oh, the economist out there, good old guns and butter, am I right? I, I mean... It's not the worst platform. Actually, I am pretty attached to butter. But uh, that is Bill uh, Bill Spaceman Lee, uh, in a nutshell. And one <laughs> other thing to add about this guy is, yes. I think it was in 2011-ish, uh, there is a midnight game in Alaska that's played um, every summer solstice at midnight because they get almost 24 hours of daylight up there. And so he actually started uh, one of those games. That is for, really cool. Uh, Alaska teams, yeah. Do, do they uh, do that every year? Every year except for, obviously, 2020. I'll have and to put I, that on my... I think it's been going on since the 70s, I want to say. Or That's technically cool. the first game was like in 1915, and it became tradition around the 70s. I'd, I'd have to put that on... that. That's got to be on my baseball bucket list. That'd be a really oh, cool yeah. experience. That'd be neat. Yeah. Anyway, more, sharp, more, more short hops and tall tales after this message. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back. Brandon, Ooh. we're talking the female baseball championship of 1879. I know nothing about this. I am so excited. Oh, yeah, this this was really fun to research and, and dive into. Um, I, again, I was just looking at a different topic completely. Uh, it's core of my eye. I saw this in the newspaper. The female uh, 
ball tossers, 1879. <laughs> and I, I realized that in the 1870s, 1860s, the phrase ball tossers meant baseball players. I, I learned that today as well. There's a lot of that. Uh, but anyway, uh, so with the championship at 1879, let me kind of give you the, the top line first. So on October 2nd, 1879, the female Red Stockings of New York only took on the female Blue Stockings of Philadelphia. Uh, Miss Sheldon, no first name, uh, was on the mound for the Reds while Miss Brooks pitched for the Blue Stockings. The two teams would play to a tie 18-18 in front of a few thousand fans until the <laughs> players left the field for their wagons. In 18... 18- how many How many innings... Okay, I, I feel like you're going to get yeah, into there's, it. But... There's a lot to it. Okay, you're, wow. You're right. Before before we go on, just two great names, the red and blue stockings. <laughs> hey, you know, that, that was almost original names back then, I'm sure. Yeah, who 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 would ever name a team after socks? That's a horrible idea. Anyway. <laughs> That'll never stick. Uh, so, so anyway, like, like we had mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, most baseball fans' knowledge of women playing baseball really exists because of A League of Their Own, um, which is a great movie, a great story. We mentioned that earlier as well. Um, and most people probably know the story of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, uh, both being struck out by 17-year-old Jackie Mitchell. Uh, but that's kind of the extent. Like, I'll, I'll admit that I knew there were some baseball players in the late 1800s, but I didn't really look into it all until, you know, this kind of piqued my curiosity. So the Blue Stockings and the Red Stockings, they were actually just the latest teams to capitalize on this craze of 19th century women playing baseball. Uh, again, the, quote, feminine ball tossers, which, okay. That's a phrase. I know. Um, but then, like, so many events around that time, uh, the ball players they were meant more to entertain the crowds, crowds as an oddity. Uh, they weren't necessarily meant to rival the men's clubs and their abilities. Uh, it's the kind of like, spectacle is just to be gawked at and amused. Um, like, so the promoters make a quick buck. It, it kind of made me think of those old stereotypical circus temp promoters with red pinstripe shirts yeah. saying, step right up. That's kind of the atmosphere that these games it, seem to go. It kind of sounds like they were they were kind of like akin to the Harlem Globetrotters of the of the time, right? Kind, kind of like that. Uh, but according to all the newspapers I saw and some of the papers I read, uh, there wasn't necessarily the skill th- that the Globetrotters had playing basketball. Um, it was more about the novelty of the act rather than the skill of the game being played. Everyone in the stands is like, wow, they're wearing pants. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, there's a, a lot of the comments in newspapers. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, most of the newspapers about, oh, I'll say, let's say if the are the course 200 words, at least 70 words would be uh, to what they're wearing, describing oh how they're wearing the hats. Describing so their, has, you're saying nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, absolutely nothing has changed. Oh, um, they even quoted some of the cat calls, which we'll get into all that later. Um, so anyway, that was 1879, but... Four years before then, before the big championship game took place, uh, the very first women's game was promoted between the Blondes and the Brunettes, of course, in New York. And of that game, the papers wrote the next day, uh, quote, it would hardly be fair to say that the game was well played. Indeed, I know. Indeed, (laughs) it would probably be no great departure from the truth to say that most of those present came from more seeing the players in the jaunty costumes than the game itself. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it, these articles weren't very nice. And um, in an editorial, some grumpy guy wrote, quote, About the greatest humbug of this age of humbugs is a baseball club composed of females. 
that's that's the that's the, on, the biggest issue you have in, in, in society at this time is there are girls playing baseball. <laughs> the, the Civil War is like a decade down, but no, the, the, the women playing baseball is a humbug. That's of all what we're humbugs. gonna we're gonna get it. Yeah, no, can we bring humbug back? I feel like just just do that. that's yeah, a great we word too. Yeah, we'll put that on the list. <laughs> the humbug of muffinism play. I'm in. There we go. So, but after that first game was played, uh, mentions of female teams, well, they kind of sprouted out all over the place. Uh, so going through papers, I saw teams in Logansport, New Haven, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Wichita, Williamsport, Baltimore, and Boston, at least. So they were pop- They were springing up all over the place in the 1870s. Okay. Uh, but they were all more or less kind of met with a similar reaction of the novelty of it all and explaining how the females tried to catch the ball and looked at the hands and wondered that it hurt and said, ow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and, well, the, the games, again, weren't played with the greatest of skill because they weren't, they didn't have, you know, the practice. They, I'm sure they're doing other things. So right. scoring 20, 30, 40, even the 50 runs after just a few innings wow. wasn't completely uncommon. And so eventually this novelty kind of rubbed the crowd in the wrong way after a couple of years. And they <laughs> got kind of tired of it, which is understandable because these women, again, they weren't professional ball players in the sense of playing games to win necessarily. A lot of them came from theater backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So they knew kind of their job was to, you know, show the crowd and get them excited about the game and, and right. excited about the show. That's, that's kind of the, what they wanted to do. And it got so far in 1893, um, nine women were taken down to Cuba to play an exhibition against the men. Now, Cuba in the 1890s was a huge baseball country uh, by then and, of course, for decades after that. They loved right. baseball. And so they were excited to see a bunch of women come down and actually compete with the men, which is what was, was promised to them in all the advertisements. Now, on top of that, typically you can go see a barnstorming game, an exhibition, for about 25 cents. Uh, but in Cuba, just due to the novelty, they would charge 50 cents. And there are thousands of Cubans that paid to Uh-oh. see this game being played. Uh-oh. Uh, even before the game started, they were just watching teams warm up and the crowd got incensed because they could tell this was not going to be a competitive game. <laughs> uh, and so that led to the crowd starting to riot, just tear down the outfield wall and start throwing, curling <laughs> things at all the players. Uh, bricks, even. Abuse, you know. All this stuff, uh, maybe even burning uh, the American flag might have happened. And the, man- <laughs> the manager said that all the women barely got out of there with just some of their clothes. Oh, no. They went back to the hotel and redressed themselves and flee the country. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it became a whole international incident, actually, because this was about uh, a couple years before the Spanish-American War kicked off. So tensions wow. were already high. So they were so they were just mad that that they, they'd kind of been... Were they mar- so they were marketed as like a good baseball team. Yeah, exactly. They wanted okay. to see women actually play up against the men, and it just wasn't going to happen, and they got pissed okay. off. I don't know okay. why they threw the rage that fits that they did. I mean, sure, wow. here's, get your 50 cents back, but still, and, ouch. And when did the Spanish-American War start? Like, how- I think that was 1897, I want to say. Okay, okay. So it wasn't like a... Like, like, no, it's uh, still a couple years away. Okay, it wasn't <laughs> was like say, this we happened, didn't... and we're like launching torpedoes. That That's the last straw. Okay, so that was eighteen ninety three. By that time, the crowds were kind of fed up with the games that with unskilled players, but that would very much would change with women later on. I uh, mean, but people still watch the Royals, don't they? 
Ooh, ooh, you know, we were just saying how much we want to appreciate AL Central teams, and you come in with that zinger. Ouch. I'm sorry. I do like the Royals. They're they're uh, fun. They won the World Series in 2015. We they, they they're fine. All right, so that was 1893. Uh, back to 1879 and that championship uh, series. Uh, people were still happy to dish out the 25 cents for a game. Uh, and prior to this World Championship game, uh, the two teams, again, the Blue Stockings and Red Stockings, they barnstormed across the uh, Northeast, all through New York and the and New England, and they had a wide range of reaction. <laughs> now, this championship game was kind of more like a championship tour, because, again, it toured all over the Northeast. Um, and, again, there was much amusement in the papers, uh, the series began in May in New York for two games, and then just things happened. I have no idea what happened for the next few months, but the next uh, new segment I picked up is in June. Wow. Oh, sorry, July. I apologize. J- July. Uh, there was one game in New Haven uh, where the teams were mobbed while trying to leave the field. Um, I don't know why they were mobbed, uh, but they, quote, escaped injury, though stoned. Um, the and- spaceman is nodding in agreement. See, not quite that stone, because there was another paper from a couple years earlier from Team New Haven and how the teams were ran off because they were being stoned. Yeah, I'm not sure if that horrifying. means the same thing I'm thinking of or if just things being thrown. Either I'm way, assuming that they're just like throwing rocks and, and batteries or whatever they had. Uh, in their I'm, I'm going to guess the same. I don't. It sounds like Philadelphia sports. Yet, rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was in July. And again, that month, they played in Philadelphia this time to around 5,000 people in the stands. Uh, but the game had a bit de- delayed when, according to the papers, 3,000 people refused to leave the field. So a, a few dozen police arrived and got the crowd pushed back to within three feet of the base path so the game could, Wait, be, could, could be played. So they they were just on the field, like, yeah, very closely to watch the game? The stand or... and just stood all over the field. Because, again, got to remember, in the 1870s, it wasn't uncommon at all to have fans on the field. Right, that's uh, right. Yeah, so they would think, oh. okay, this is fine. But they just got way too close. And so they had to play the game with a crowd of three, 5,000 people uh, three feet away from them. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not intimidating. Mm-hmm. And then and halfway through August, uh, the teams nearly lost everything when their manager skipped town with $200 in the wages owed to the players. Aww. I know. And both teams, because they couldn't pay uh, fees for anything, they were kept at the railway station until they could come up with the funds. So they probably wrote families and friends to have them give them money so they can get out of the train station. Oh, man, yeah. that's that's brutal. They, yeah. these, these ladies can't catch a break, man. No. And, and after the manager left, a new theatrical man took over as the manager <laughs> for the remainder of the tour. Okay. Um, I don't know who that man is, Tap but he's onto theatrical. The scene. Yeah, here, the ladies need a manager, eh? Yeah, she. Not sure when he turns into Groucho, but um, I'm envi- I'm envision- envisioning the monorail guy from The Simpsons, like with the straw hat and the cane. Oh, no. f- the guy from um, <laughs> oh, how did I forget his name? Seventy Six Trombones, music yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, music yeah, man. yeah, yeah. There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us to the final game of the tour that was billed as the Championship Series again, October second, eighteen seventy nine. And of all those games played previously, this was the only one where I can find the full roster of the players. Um, so just, I feel like they're owed a couple of names here. So for the Blue Stockings, we have Miss Clifford, Miss Lawson, Miss Howard, Miss Brooks, Miss Pierce, Miss Louie, Miss Harding, and Miss H. Howard. And line up in opposition for the Red Stockings, you have Miss Stacy, Miss Gray, Miss Sheldon, Miss Howard, Miss Moray, Miss Arnold, Miss Addison, and Miss Taylor, of course. 
Sounds like some good some good sluggers in that lineup. A couple good sluggers, some ace relievers, I'm sure. Um, and luckily, this game had a little more description to it than the other ones. Um, however, most of the descriptions uh, were catcalling. Uh, oh. I do have to say, my favorite catcall, my favorite... I just want to call a game was someone yelled out, Hey, look at the bell of the ball, which made me kind of happy. Like, like the double entendre. <laughs> yeah. Bell of the ball. Oh, Hey, it's right. kind of clever. I like it's, that. It's, it's more clever than disgusting. So <laughs> yeah, we will definitely say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can go through those newspapers you were like and, and see some of those calls. Right. Yeah. Um, but I will say, because again, these were ladies in theater, uh, they played up to the crowd. So Miss Sheldon of the red stockings, uh, called a boy from the stands to fetch her a glass of beer. <laughs> and so when the beer arrived, she went out to the field and down the whole thing in front of the hollering crowd, which I'd imagine isn't a thing you would necessarily see women of 1879. She's like, uh, like uh, Rube Waddell. <laughs> yeah, Rube Waddell and Miss Sheldon doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like most of the games they played as well, this one didn't necessarily come to its natural end, but ended uh-huh. because of the crowd. Uh, so towards the end of the game, it was 15 to 60 going into the last inning. Uh, and the audience became even more restless, more cat callings late in the day, more need Everyone's what have drunk you. off the, the exactly. 15 cent beers. Yeah. 15 cents in 1879? I don't, I don't Ooh, know. That's that a was... fancy beer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, imagine, I don't know how much a beer costs in 1879. Yeah. <laughs> but a tying run was scored in the final inning. And instead of going to extras to, you know, decide the championship, uh, the players, they packed up and left for their wagons because they just <laughs> had enough. Like, no, guys, we're done. We're you out guys stayed, We're out. Uh, but as you can imagine, this didn't sit well with the crowd. Uh, so the spectators started charging the women and got hot in the heels, like trying to, again, throw things, grab things oh at them. Gosh. And as the paper said, acting like young savages the entire way. Uh, now, luckily, unlike New Haven, for example, everyone was safe. And the players, this is- they probably felt like it was a normal day. Really, really making men look good in the <laughs> in the in the nineteenth you know, century. Hard, for, it's hard not for guys to look good in the late eighteen hundreds, you know. Gosh, it's horrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the tour they took in eighteen seventy nine. The, these two teams, they had an absolute time of it. Um, and then, like I had alluded to earlier, uh, a lot of the female ballplayers turned out to be really good at baseball. Actually, one of those was signed to a minor league uh, deal as well in the late eighteen hundreds. Uh, so if you're more interested in, in that, which I would love to cover that as well later on, uh, there's a book by uh, Dabra Shaddock called Bloomer Girls uh, that chronicles the women pioneers in baseball. Very cool. I, yeah. I'd be interested to, to kind of go from that and then maybe in an upcoming out episode, uh, kind of talk about like modern uh, women in baseball, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, Again, I just kind of professional leagues. scratched the surface here. And the more I've read about it, the more I realized there's so much more here. Uh, so I'd be definitely excited to read more and, and talk about that. 19th century, they were playing baseball. That is that is so wild because uh, you would just think like, and I'm sure that's why they got a lot of crowds was you think like at the time that just be considered so taboo, right? Uh, you know, I'm sure these guys, these guys in the stands like were just like, like I said, oh, they're wearing pants. Like this is ridiculous. Look at those <laughs> pants Look at those blue girls go. Hey. I can't. <laughs> That's that's wild! Wow, that was that was a really cool story, Brandon. Yeah, it was, it was fun to read about. Hopefully, we yeah. into it more. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know we can now refer to ourselves. So, really quick, quick tangent. Um, okay. Going going through these newspapers, um, I saw a headline 
talking about, you know, the baseball upcoming season. And instead of saying like the talking heads or the reporters, uh, they said the ball tossers. The ball tossers. Uh, My goodness. So just a couple of ball tossers here talking baseball. I think, yeah. Is that what we're we're going by now? (laughs) Short Hops and Tall Tales brought to you by ball tossers. (laughs) All right, all right. That's a that's Not enough from us tonight. Um, <laughs> if you like, yeah, if you liked what you heard tonight, uh, be sure to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Uh, follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A Scott Six, and then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, slash wherever you're currently listening to this podcast. Uh, and please leave a review so uh, if you like, so we can uh, we can reach some new people. I know that's a new feature on Spotify is you can add a star rating very exciting uh brandon have you have you rated our podcast yet i had just have uh right as i'm thinking about it in the future okay i was gonna say that didn't, <laughs> didn't sound very convincing um anyway uh thank you for listening uh for brandon riddle i'm noah scott and this has been the short hops and tall tales podcast see you next time mm-hmm.